There it is. Yeah, we're live. We're live. We're live. Oh, man. She's excited. I'm excited. Hope you all are excited because this is going to be an awesome one with one of the coolest people on the internet. Oh, man. You guys are going to, we're all going to have fun. I've never been called one of the coolest people on the internet, but I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Get ready, everybody. We're going to have some fun. Practicing polyamory real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to this very special Thursday episode. Before we jump in and chat with today's guest, I want to quickly remind everybody to please follow the show on all our social media platforms, uh, especially Facebook and Instagram. That's where I'm most active, but you can find us everywhere at Practicing Poly A. Remember that following and sharing our content is a free, easy way to support the show. And speaking of free and easy ways to support the show, the best way is to subscribe and share. If you find value in what we're doing here, share it with your polycule, share it with your friends, share it far and wide, and especially in your Facebook groups, uh, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is that you download podcasts. Uh, I'm going to skip all that stuff, and I'm just going to say, reminder, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on this show. My job as your host is to be actively inclusive, because I know the more stories we hear, the more representation we have, the more others see us and themselves and the better we can serve our community. So calling out all my PLC folks, go to practicingpolyamory.com. Sign up today for the last few spots available in season one, which ends on Halloween. All right, that's that spiel. Now to the best part, introducing our guest. Our guest today, as I already mentioned, is one of the coolest people on the internet. She's been creating polyam content since at least 2018 when she launched her podcast covering the academia of our community. If you want to hear an honest review of the books that have shaped our polyam culture, hers is a podcast you need to check out. Our guest has also been a part of some powerful and meaningful events recently covering tough topics like abuse in polyamory, decoupling, and a lot more that's coming up. She identifies as solo poly and lives her life by the value of ruthless honesty. Looking forward to that. And to be ruthlessly honest, she creates some damn good poly content on the Instagram. So if you're not following her already, you better start now. Joining us today from across the pond in the UK, host and creator of the Poly Pages podcast, Instagram channel, and all around super cool human that I'm excited as heck to meet. Welcome to the show, Claire Louise Travers. I am so excited. That is so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. I am super, super excited to talk to you today. I absolutely love what you're putting out. Um, I think it's so needed. You guys have done such a great job. And um, yeah, I'm just like so excited to talk about about polyamory. Like always, like that's how we become podcasters, right? Yeah, yeah, for for sure. I mean, this is is why we did, this this is why, this is what got us into it. But, you know, you're saying that and I'm like, equally fangirling over here because I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to you. Like you really are putting out some incredible content. I follow you. I I repost your stuff all the time. Uh, I love the work that you are doing. Um, And I just, you know, let's, let's start with that. Let's talk a little bit about the work that you're doing. You started your podcast with covering the ethical slut. That was season one. I'm like, 
at episode 10 right now myself. Yeah. Um, try, I, I wanted to binge it all before I talked to you, but you got just, it's, it's long. a lot. It's long. It's a lot. <laughs> um, but what is it? You are a super nerd and you just <laughs> decided like this is what you want to do is talk to people about these awesome books that are available? Well, what was happening was, uh, you know, like the old saying, like everyone that's polyamorous has a podcast. So it got to that level. And I was like, okay, I really want to start a podcast, um, but I don't know what to do with it. And my partner at the time is like, well, everyone has a podcast where they talk about like how to do these things. And we're not really like skills. Uh, like I'm not a relationship coach. I'm not a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. I'm not a therapist. And I don't platform myself as such um and we also have loads of great content already like what you're doing which is about the people who are polyamorous and I was like there's something missing in this like milieu of polyamorous content we don't have anything about the text that we've got written down and we that's how you change a culture right it's, it's not just about the conversations it's also about like what's written down mm -hmm. um I'm a full-time academic researcher anyway. So I was already reading oh. stuff. And one of the things with academia that I hate is that it can be so exclusionary. Like people just need to have like, you know, two master's degrees or a PhD or something to be able to even just read the literature that's being done about them. And I was like, there it is, that's my niche. So that's how Polypages came about. That's why we have that name as well, because we were very much focusing on the, the readings. Um, and after the first season, we started to release bonus episodes. So we also have like one-off episodes, if, if you guys think like, you know, 24 hours of like me, me reading one book is like too much, fine, valid. Um, there's also these like one-off episodes where you we have like a guest on and we do a deep dive into an academic, uh, usually an academic article or a chapter from a book about a specific topic. topic. Um, so, um, we, we've really enjoyed doing that. And then when I uh, decoupled from my partners last year, I was like, I need to do something else. This platform, I need to take it further. And that's when we started to do the events that you mentioned. Nice. Okay. So it was, you were doing it. I know there was, uh, uh, one of your partners there, Sebastian, I think it was that you were doing that, that first season with, yeah. uh, and then you kind of continued that into those bonus episodes and now, now you're not doing the podcast and you're doing events instead? We're on hiatus with the podcast. So I have some bonus episodes that are still going to run. And I have some other people that want to finish season one with me. And I already kind of know what I want to do season two about. So mm -hmm. uh, it is still going to continue. But when you're going okay. through decoupling, I think the most important thing is that you take the time to heal. So that's oh, yes. what I did. Um, and, you know, that's one of the really hard things. Like, I'm not the first podcast to succumb to pod fade because the excitement kind of like wears off or because the people that are involved move into different spaces of someone's life. Um, and I'm like, okay with that. Like the podcast is still there. I'm going to come back to it. It's just a matter of like when and with who. Love it. I love it. And you know, it kind of leads perfectly into our topic today. We're talking about solo polyamory and relationship anarchy. So a big part of uh, solo poly is that decoupling it's being able to do these things on our own uh i learned a lot from uh, my current partner who also identifies as solo poly and she does a lot of things on her own now um it came from her own experience in in being part of a triad and kind of feeling a little bit left out so she started doing these things on her own and inspired me to start doing things on my own and now you're doing things on your own, going to be continuing that uh, that uh, 
podcast into season two. And I want to kind of just dive into that and, you know, ask you what it is about the solo polyamorous lifestyle that attracts you. What is it that makes you want to identify as such? Well, I've always been a very like independent person. Um, and I think that's also why monogamy always is part of the reason why monogamy always felt like there is more, there is more than this relationship is letting me explore. Like there's more in me. Um, so when I um, kind of became, I don't want to say became poly because that's, I've always been poly. Like this is how I intuitively relate to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, I started to abide by that, by sort of that practice and basically go into relationships being like monogamy is not something I'm going to offer. There was, there was still this expectation that I would like um, invite people to make life decisions with me that I didn't feel mm-hmm. comfortable with. There was the ex- expectation that I would share finances, which is something that I've always been very like adamantly against. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of these things for me were very important when I was defining my, my circle of polyamory. Um, and I, I, you know, you can have those boundaries and still be in like a hierarchical structure or um, not be polyamorous at all. You can still have those boundaries. But for me, that just really sat quite well in what I wanted. Um, that doesn't mean that I wasn't partnered. Uh, and one of the things that happened when I um, when I decoupled from all three of my like major partners in the space mm-hmm. of like three months was people started even in the polyamorous community being like, well, you're not polyamorous anymore because you, d- you don't have any partners. And I was like... <laughs> Honey, like I've always had these boundaries. Like now, oh, hell no! <laughs> exactly, and I was like, I even like I haven't named the account, but they're a really large account, and I was like, you should know better. <laughs> 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 what the hell? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I was like shocked that someone would would try after we are in a subculture that's already like. Uh, marginalized and within us we al- we already have people that are more marginalized because mm-hmm. of the oppression lasagna that is our lives um so i was like you like can't that. be like you can't be out here telling people what what they're allowed to like call themselves and what they're not um and really it doesn't change anything if i'm partnered with one person or i'm partnered with many people or i'm not partnered my uh polyamorous identity is still like contained within myself mm-hmm. so for me that's kind of how i found my way to solo poly um and also like all of the coolest people that i have met are like yeah i'm so the poly <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> like we have a really big like presence on instagram and we're really collaborative as uh as like the the bigger accounts that, and like all of the accounts actually we're super collaborative there's not a lot of like competition and rivalry and so many of them are run by solo poly women and i'm i'm wondering why that is but um hmm. yeah <laughs> You know, it's it's almost uh, statistical. Um, I was listening to the Remodeled post- podcast recently, and they were uh, looking at their stats, and they have like 70% um, women that listen. And uh, my podcast is very much the same, like 70%, you know, uh, women are listening as, as opposed to, to the men. So statistically, that's just who maybe identifies as polyamorous in general what do you think maybe or maybe there's something in the way that we socialize men to be like you're an island you shouldn't have to look for answers or support maybe there's a i I really feel like Mm. our patriarchy like treats men like trash right like um which is why when i meet a man that's not a feminist i'm like you you realize like you're the one that's suffering as well (laughs) (laughs) um so maybe it's just like socially it's more accepted for women to go out and 
try and like make a community like we are very like socialized to to do that and to care for others i'm not saying that i'm like the least maternal person in the world not gonna have kids but like we still have that like allowance that maybe the society isn't giving our men but that's just Mm -hmm. off the top of my head i don't know (laughs) now along with this uh solo poly uh women in general i'm kind of finding something that you just you just mentioned right now a lot of the solo polyam women that i've met that i know also don't want kids right yeah that's that's interesting yeah i mean i don't know what what are your thoughts on that in general i mean i've always known i don't want to have kids like before i even knew like i don't know what monogamy let alone polyamory was about um Mm -hmm. But I, I think one of the beautiful things about polyamory is that you don't want to, like, if you don't want to actually have a child, uh, and that is something that really, like, especially now that I'm over the age of 30, like, people are really on it. Like, they, it's relentless. Um, but it, the nice thing about polyamory is that you can have, like, that I don't want to house a being inside my body. Mm-hmm. I don't want to create life. Or maybe I want to do those things, but I don't necessarily want to be, like, um, like, traditional mother figure. Polyamory gives us this opportunity to, like, choose paths make different decisions that maybe seem like not possible if you haven't tapped into this sort of culture and this this way of of thinking about community in a really different way one of the things i love about polyamory is it's like radical anarchist potential like we could completely reshape society if if we gave up heteronormative monogamy I mean, yeah, that would that That'd would completely change society. <laughs> like everything <laughs> would change. Um, but I mean that we can say that about so many things too. Um, and in, the work that it would take to get there is, I mean, it's a, it's a long road. You know, it's a right. long uh, activism intense road. I was actually having a conversation. Um, a couple of days ago with uh, with with attorney Stacy McClarty. Uh, she was really cool. And one of the things that she mentioned was uh, this group called Plaque. It was a polyamory legal advocacy coalition. See, I remembered it this time. Um, and right now they're like looking for people that were discriminated against due to their polyamory. And this is the same group that helped create... Um, the multi-partnerships laws that are uh, available for these uh, like one or two cities in Massachusetts. So yeah, some you of know, there's, there's stuff happening. There's stuff yeah. happening. Yeah. Uh, and it's really interesting. Like we, we actually have an episode about that Somerville ordinance, the city ordinance. It was passed Ooh. because of COVID. Yeah. We tell have a more, lawyer. Tell me more. Um, so it's my, my ex-partner Sebastian and one of our like, extended polycule is a lawyer so he came on and they like sat down and spoke about what this means for the community how it came about um and for those who don't know basically somerville city ordinance number like 2017 or something um they basically said you can have more than more than two adults in a household which mm-hmm. i mean sounds obvious right because we've so many people like live with friends still live with their parents like there's it's not just polyamory that that's going right to be passed, right right but um, because of this, I, th- I think it was because of COVID, because obviously if you're talking about the household in public health and if you're talking about insurance uh, in the mm-hmm. States, um, that has implications. So potentially that's like the future. And Somerville is like super poly. I don't think people realize how polyamorous it is. It's like a very poly place. It has a very like vibrant subculture. 
it's where we we met our um, our music partners, Make Green Music, um, and oh, they okay. are like a queer POC fronted band. We met them when we were out with our Polycule. Like it's really like a very welcoming city in Boston. So yeah, if anyone wants to check out our episode on that, I could probably find the link and just drop it in the thing. Cool, cool. Yeah, um, that's that's awesome. I I love it, and I suddenly have travel plans now. I gotta think exactly. I know where I want to go next. No. Exactly. <laughs> now that COVID's over. Oh, is man. it? Is it over? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's it's getting there. You know, <laughs> here in California, at least we're uh, removing our masks. And, you know, we have the CDC saying that, you know, if we're fully vaccinated, we don't have to wear masks. It's still, you know, it's it's getting there. At least right. we're making some some significant strides. So uh, let's see what else. Uh, what what is what is it that you wanted to really say about uh, solo polyamory? In fact, you know what? Let me let me phrase it this way. What would you say to someone who says solo poly? Isn't that just single with more steps? <laughs> people do say that yeah um and I guess like you can just point to any one of the people like there are hundreds of people that are solo poly that are in relationships doesn't mean you're not committing it just means that your commitment is to yourself first which I would argue is how it, it, it really should be um even if you are in a monogamous relationship even if you don't identify as polyamorous your relationship to yourself is the most important thing the honesty starts here the love starts here Everything starts within your own house. Um, so you can be solo poly and like married. You can be solo poly and have kids. Like you can, ha- you can have all of these like traditional relationship mm-hmm. escalator moves um, and still be solo poly. So obviously it's not just about being single, although I'm loving being single for what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> it's something, it's something. I'm living alone for the first time in like seven years and um, it's, it's all right. It's not bad. Yeah. I mean, it was tough because of COVID. But um, but yeah, it's, it was like very nice for me to have basically all of the time that I wanted mm-hmm. to do things. Um, and it's amazing how much more full I am in terms of like what I'm able to give other people. Um, mm-hmm. So when I decoupled, I spent a lot more time like on my friendships, really like fostering those, learning how to love my friends. I'm one of the people that tells my friends that I love them all the time. Um, I went and lived with a friend for the first time as an adult. Um, I rebuilt my relationship with my mother. I nice. moved jobs. Like I just had so much more energy that I could cater to other areas of my relationship. I think we mm-hmm. sink quite a lot into r- romantic relationships. And it's just one type of relationship you can have. So yeah, if anyone hasn't been single for a while and they're a bit scared about it because this came up during the decoupling, like don't be. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks to go through your breakup, but the the potential for your life is like it's gonna be fine i want that message to be out there for anyone that's like struggling with decoupling because yeah it's i I would have liked to know that you know like when i was it really like was was difficult so i would have liked to have someone be like you are gonna be great like this will pass and it does i mean it it takes time of course but one of the things that you leaned on was other relationships and that kind of leads to that other uh that other part of the um oh nice thanks uh that kind of leads to the other part of the conversation which is the relationship anarchy so uh how in your opinion is solo poly different from relationship anarchy 
Um, so relationship anarchy is typically thought of as being a philosophy of love. Um, it is uh, kind of some people frame it as the more extreme end of polyamory. Um, but I don't think it's super extreme. But then I'm kind of uh, radical, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, but it offers like a highly critical view of conventional cultural standards. Um, so as I said, we tend to prioritize romantic and sex-based relationships in our culture. I think the thing that's different between solo polyamory and relationship anarchy, relationship anarchy or RA um, is that relationship anarchy really takes that critical view and it's like these are not the most important relationships. They can be. You can choose to make them the most important relationships of your life. But the platonic friends, the values of family, chosen family, these are also like it, like in the same relationship sphere mm. uh, and they can move right you can change the dynamic of your relationship if it's not working you can have sex with friends right, right. you can adopt a child with your co-worker like you can do these things once you kind of remove take an anarchist approach i guess to to what we consider to be the conventional um demands and restrictions and expectations of people when we get into a relationship so a lot of people think of you know, relationship anarchy is very, um, like, far. Like, if you took polyamory and you just ran with it, you'd end up in relationship anarchy. I wouldn't say that's true. I think relationship anarchy is, is a political, it's a, it's, a, it's a very libertarian, a very individual way of th seeing things. Um, it came out of Andy Norgren's manifesto, which I have shared, in, mm -hmm. and... Uh, they wrote this instructional manifesto. It is literally an A4 page. And it literally is like, uh, you know, these nine things that relationship anarchy sort of values, I guess, like thoughts. Um, but it's it's not like a clear doctrine. I think it would be very hard to like point to it and be like, this is relationship anarchy. It's, it's uh, as I say, like a philosophy. It's an approach. Got it. Yeah. Have you have you done an episode of uh, Polly Pages on that manifesto yet? No, not yet. <laughs> no. All right. Plans there, for the there future. Is already, for the future. There's like amazing resources out there. There's an entire YouTube channel that is about relationship anarchy already. Uh, mm -hmm. As I say, it's so short. We did a short instructional manifesto on Instagram about it, but okay. to warrant like an entire episode, um, it would either require like a course or like I'm just. There's already so much out there on this particular Got document. It. Yeah. Got it. All right. So if we want to do some research, just do a Google search and we'll find a ton. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, well, what do you want to share with our audience? What What is it that is important to you right now in the polyamorous community? Some things that you um, just want to share with with the audience. What, what's your message right now? So right now, Polypages has, as I said, we've started to do events and those events are really centered around having the hard conversations. So there's like a million conversations you can have about polyamory. Obviously, that's why there are so many podcasts. Um, but I had noticed that people are shying away from difficult ones. People are shying away from why, are, why is polyamory showing up in cults all the time? Why are we hmm. assuming that the people that are polyamorous are liberal BLM supporters? How, is there an anti-racist version of polyamory and therefore a racist version of polyamory what do breakups look like what does abuse look like um so we have had two we have had two events one of them was decoupling polyamory the webcast is available with avita sawyer sydney rachin and andy adams from the gorith arc um 
And then we had another one that was about abuse with Eve Rickert, Sydney Ray Chin again, who's a, if you don't know who that person is, uh, she is a um, sexual intuitive guide. I think that's how, how she phrases it. I always get this wrong. Um, but specifically around survivors of, of sexual, mm -hmm. sexual assault and uh, domestic violence. Um, and polyamorous black girl who has spoken a lot about her experiences with abuse. That wasn't filmed. Oh, yeah. That's not available to purchase, but it was a really great session. And from that, Polly Pages did a lot of outreach about what is abuse? How can you recognize it? What are the, you know, warning flags for grooming? What are the warning flags for um, economic abuse? What are the warning flags for child abuse? We've done a lot of stuff on our TikTok about that. And recently we produced a version of the Duluth Wheel of Power and Control, which is made for polyamory. So... That's what we've been doing a lot of, having these really hard conversations. And our next event is dropping on the 1st of June, which I'm really excited nice. about. Nice. Uh, June 1st, and which one's that? It is going to be White Supremacy in Polyamory. Ooh, super yeah. interesting. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the Duluth wheel. Um, I'm not super uh, aware of what that is. Can you give me an idea? Yeah, sure. So the Duluth wheel of power and control was developed in Duluth, Minnesota. Um, in the 80s. And it was developed um, after hundreds and hundreds of interviews with survivors of domestic violence. And um, they realized that there's more to domestic violence than just sexual or physical aggression and violence. There's all of these other tactics that an abuser will use to keep somebody in a situation where they feel like they cannot leave, where they feel trapped, where they basically will suffer abuse. Um, and there's eight areas of this. Um, there is economic abuse, emotional abuse. <laughs> Try to remember them all now. Economic abuse, emotional abuse, intimidation, um, threats, which is a little bit separate from intimidation, things like smashing stuff versus intimidation would be like, I'm going mm -hmm. to do this thing. Um, using children, using privilege or weaponizing privilege, uh, isolation. And there's one more that I've forgotten. I bet you if we go to your Instagram, it'll be there. It'll be there. <laughs> um, so this this has now been in circulation for a really long time. And they're constantly making new iterations because it is super heterosexual and it is super monogamous. Uh, so they recently made like one that includes queer sort of relationships. Mm -hmm. because queer, queer abuse can present in unique ways or it can present in the same ways but not be captured in this wheel. Um, and so I reached out to them and I'm going to try and like – get our version, one of the like official iterations because it took a really long time to put together. Um, so yeah, we we made one that was about polyamorous abuse and what are some of those warning flags? It's obviously not fully comprehensive yet, uh, but I think it's a really good start to having these discussions in our communities, especially because we are seeing more and more people being called out for abuse. Um, and usually what happens is someone gets called out for abuse. There's a big effort to deplatform them, which oftentimes mm -hmm. fails. There's a huge smear campaign against the victims. And then we just go right back into platforming people that treat other people like crap, mm -hmm. which is not a good look for a subculture about relationships. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Certainly it's not. <laughs> yeah, no. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a really hard few months to put this, like, all together because it's obviously, like, very emotionally taxing. I'm also a survivor of, of um, emotional psychological abuse. So it was, like, really hard to do, but I think it's a great, it, like, an important element of the conversation. 
It absolutely is. And this is why this is one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you on the show. Uh, You know, I I sit here behind this microphone and I interview people and I talk to people and, you know, I I dig into the stories and try to get, you know, as much representation, as many stories out there as we can. Uh, But you, the work that you're doing, like this is this is stuff that takes smarts <laughs> as, as an academic person. Like you, you read a lot, you write a lot, you create a lot. You, you've created these courses and these, um, these, these events that are meant to like really, really teach people and, and, and give people a lot of takeaways. And I'm just, you know, I'm over here just talking to people saying what's up and, you know, Let's do that. <laughs> um, no, I, just, I love it, the work both that you're of doing. them. Both of them are super important, but I am, uh, I am, I guess, taking it on myself. Like, no one else needed to do this, right? Like, I could have just lived a polycule life and that would have been fine. But mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really enjoying working with the community in these ways that is making conversations hard <laughs> for people, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, I'm really not interested in talking about jealousy. No offense, people that are, but like it's just, I just, we, okay, fine. And what do you want to talk about? How you make your play spaces safe for black bodies? You know, like we have, we're missing conversations. And I think part of that is like also the generation coming after us, like <laughs> they're, they're doing things in these completely new ways. Like I'm sure you've seen this, right? Like you interview people of, of like slightly different ages or backgrounds, mm-hmm. and they're the stuff that they're interested in is just slightly different. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we've got all kinds. We've got the geeks. We've got the nerds. We've got the spirituals. We've got the, you know, all it takes all kinds, does, uh, the yeah. burners and, you know, the swingers and, you know, a little bit of everything. And it's I mean, I enjoy it because I just get a chance to talk to so many people, learn from so many people. Uh, I'm of the mindset that everyone that I know, everyone that I meet is somehow enlightened. So I have so much to learn from everybody that I run into. And that's all I want to hear is, you know, what are your viewpoints? How do you mm-hmm. see the world? What, what is, you know, what works for you? Because it may or may not resonate with me, but there's somebody out there that it does resonate with. And it's creating that community and creating right. that, you know, uh, that feeling that we're not alone. Yeah, so. because t- this can be very lonely, right? Like I get my inbox is constantly full of people being like, I'm just, I, I don't know anyone that does this. And I don't think this is an option for me because I'm not seeing it. And I would hate, I would absolutely hate to have felt that alone going into this. Like that would have been, I, I probably wouldn't have, right? <laughs> so Did, You didn't though. What, what was that like? Um, I'm just like super outgoing. Like it's almost annoying. Um, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, I, I also like one of the things I spoke about on a, on a different podcast actually was was my journey into polyamory was also through a lens of my work. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, I'm a, I'm an academic researcher, but the research that I do is actually not on polyamory. It's on humanitarian aid. So I'm a humanitarian mm-hmm. aid worker. And that leads you to a lot of long distance relationships. And already you're, you're thinking about, okay, how are we going to make this work? You're in a different language. I'm in a different place. How are we, like, obviously I don't want to, you know, be a nun for like eight months of the, <laughs> right? how can we do this in a way that's like healthy and honest and isn't going to like. get mine, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so that was like a really, I think really important part for me because like I was already coming at this from a weird place. 
right? I wasn't like in a hometown and like had a nine to five job, all of the things that would make maybe following a a, a path given mm-hmm. easy. It, that was already like not easy for me. So I think that helped me. Plus, I'm as I said, I'm like criminally extroverted. So, <laughs> <laughs> and plus, it never really worked for you. You said that just never quite fit. No, I I just felt when that relationship ended, and it, it ended fine, like it ended lovely. But I just realized off that, like there is more to to the, to me than this, and not just polyamory. There was also like my my bisexuality, my pansexuality. Like, there's a lot more to me then it would really be fair to expect one person to fulfill. Like, it's just a huge ask to ask someone to be like your perfect person. I just think that's completely um, ludicrous. If I'm I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree now, mm. now that I have been, you know, practicing polyamory for four or five years, whatever it is. But prior to when I was monogamous and I, I before I knew about it, that was me, like expecting that person to fulfill everything. And right. uh no relationship ever worked out quite for me because I was always putting that pressure on my right. partner and, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. It's not how any of this works. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, <laughs> exactly. If you have a, a few minutes, I, I want to ask you one last uh, kind of a deep question, deep-ish question. Sure. Um, you went through three breakups, three decouplings in a matter of months and now you're not dating anybody what was your like biggest takeaway like what what was what was yeah what was that that big lesson like something that you took away from the experience that you would want to share with somebody who is also going through a breakup or multiple breakups yeah. Um, so we, before I give the answer, we created a guide to how to support your uh, your partner through a breakup because there's like literally nothing like that available, right? Um, so that's available on our website, uh, as is the webcast where I talked to three other people that also were going through decouplings of different types. So there is some resources out there from us if anyone wants to check this out. I think my main takeaway is um, you you were never just a couple. You were mm. always like you. You're a unit of one, and that's you will you were that before. You will be that after. You were that in the relationship. If it didn't feel like that, it was still true. Um, the the way that I tried initially to to handle this was I would break up with one partner and then I whiplashed around and I expected the other partners to be able to pick up the pieces and to help me. And to kind of like take on some of the roles that this person had been doing. And then of course that one didn't work and because that's really unfair to ask somebody to suddenly yep. change all the relationship. And then I did it again to another partner. Because of course you do, you're hurt, you're in pain, mm-hmm. you're grieving, you want support. It's not necessarily always fair to ask your partners for that. So mm-hmm. I really had to learn how to heal myself. But then now I realize like I was always not just a couple, right? Our whole society is about making the couple a couple like that's what you should be you should just meld into being a couple you were never that you're not that now you're not going to be that in the future even if you're in another relationship you're still you and it's just about feeling those feelings and letting them pass and you you will be fine I really thought I wasn't gonna be fine but you will be fine nice good stuff all right um thank you 
Claire, so much for uh, spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. Like I said, one of the coolest people on the internet, <laughs> and I get to talk to her. Um, would you, uh, for our listening audience, uh, tell us where we can find you, where we can find more information, and what it is that uh, that you are providing to the community right now? Yeah, so you can find everything that I've mentioned at www.polypages.org. Um, that has all of our resources, a research hub, which hosts academic research where they, they need participants. Um, it also hosts the Ultimate Poly book list. So if you're new to this and you want to do some reading, come join me, read, read the books. Um, and it has our podcast on there as well. Um, you can find us on Instagram at polypages, P-O-L-Y-P-A-G-E-S. Um, and you can find us on TikTok with the same um, username if you'd like to go on TikTok um, and you can find me if you're interested in me and my life uh, you can find me on Instagram as well Claire L. Travers perfect thank you. alrighty well thank you no thank you it's been uh, so much fun uh, da, 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 da. okay no um, <laughs> it's really been so much fun getting to know you getting a chance to uh, chat with you a little bit um, so thank you again for spending the time Thanks, James. I had a great time. <laughs> I want to like another like video just to dance to. <laughs> I, really I mean, we can that. we can always set that up. You know, yeah. here we go. Here we go. Ready? <laughs> Feel like we're Thank getting started so and getting much. this thing going again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Seriously, it's been so fun. All right. Have and a wonderful day. You as well, you as well. And uh, thank you uh, also to our live audience for tuning in today. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday or sometimes a special Thursday uh, or sign up for Patreon where you get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and wherever it is you download your podcast if you haven't already. And please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. All right, everybody, that's all we got. Until next week, have a nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicingpolya.